Barney and Betty Hill claimed they had an encounter with aliens more than 60 years ago. Their story became the launching point for alien abductions in popular culture, and it happened, supposedly, late one night on a lonely road in New Hampshire's White Mountains. This is Off the Path from WSHU Public Radio. I'm Davis Donovan. This summer, I've been on the road through Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine. I'm ending my road trip with a look up at the stars. If you're going to be abducted by aliens, you couldn't ask for a more beautiful spot. I'm just near the southern border of Franconia Notch, a long, narrow pass through the White Mountains. It's not an exaggeration to say this is one of the most gorgeous places in all of New England. This is the spot in 1961 where Betty and Barney Hill said they were abducted by aliens. Barney and Betty were driving their 57 Chevy Bel Air through Franconia Notch back toward their home in Portsmouth from a vacation in Canada. They had their pet dachshund in the car with them. The nearly full moon hung over the dark shapes of the mountains. And then... Betty spotted a new light in the sky. And what caught her attention was that instead of moving like a meteorite, it moved upward into the air. Kathleen Martin is Betty and Barney's niece, and she knows this story better than just about anyone else. As time went on, this light grew larger and larger. It disappeared at one point, then reappeared over the old man of the mountain, the famous New Hampshire rock formation that once stood in Franconia Notch. They stopped the car beside the road, got out with binoculars, and started to look at this light that was now very large and hovering next to the old man's profile. It appeared to be rotating. It appeared to be lighted on only one side. And then it started moving again, and it seemed to be bouncing back and forth in the sky, following an erratic pattern. They drove past the Indian Head Resort, where a historical marker about their story now stands. And about a mile later... This craft shifted ahead and descended rapidly toward the hill's car. It stopped partially over the highway and partially to the right side of the road. Hovering silently in place, about 200 feet in the air. And then it started to slowly descend. Barney opened the car door, he grabbed the binoculars that were on the seat and looked up at this craft. Betty was watching it from the passenger seat. They could see a large hovering craft. There was an incredibly bright light shining through the windows. It veered off into a field and Barney followed. And that's where he got a good look inside the windows. Barney is shaking his head. He's pulling the binoculars from his eyes. He cannot believe what he's seeing. He was convinced that this was impossible. He was looking at this thing that was now only about a hundred feet overhead. And he saw non-humans looking back at him. The craft started to settle. Fins extended from the side and something started to drop down from the bottom. Barney was terrified. 
he thought that he was going to be captured like, quote, a bug in a net. He ran back to the car and the hills sped off down the highway. But he noticed that that craft was now heading in his direction. Within moments, he and Betty heard a series of code-like buzzing sounds. It caused the car to vibrate and for a tingling sensation to pass through their bodies. The next thing they knew, they were 35 miles down the highway. They didn't know how much time had passed. It's a common experience reported by those who say they've been abducted by UFOs. Betty and Barney went home to Portsmouth. But that wasn't the end of the story. Betty's dress was torn in several places. And later, a pink powdery substance grew on that. Barney's best dress shoes were so deeply scraped that he had to buy new shoes. Then there were the dreams and flashes of memories. Betty dreamed that she and Barney were driving at night and ran into a roadblock where small men surrounded her car. In another dream, the same small men were leading Betty and Barney through the woods. When Betty looked back at her husband, he seemed to be sleepwalking. And they had conscious recall of observing a fiery orb that appeared to be sitting on the ground, tall trees all around, a dirt road. For months, they looked for that spot. Betty Hill called a nearby Air Force base to file a report about a month after the incident. But the Hills didn't feel like the Air Force was taking them seriously. They still had those weird memories, and they needed help. So they sat down with a psychiatrist in Boston and underwent hypnosis. They described being taken on board the alien ship, where they were studied and eventually released. Their sessions were taped with their consent. They didn't tell many people about what happened, but transcripts wound up in the hands of a local reporter. The news of the hypnosis tapes and the results of that is really kind of what broke and made it an international story. Bill Ross is librarian emeritus of the Diamond Library on the campus of the University of New Hampshire. That's where all of Betty and Barney Hill's materials are kept. Before that, they really only shared it with you know, friends in their church and uh, the U.S. government and a few other people. And uh, so when the reporter got hold of the news and printed it in one of the Boston papers, it just kind of blew it open. The reporter described what the aliens looked like, according to the Hills. But one artist did something better. Okay, these are uh, actual drawings and paintings that were done by artist David Baker, actually went down to one of their hypnosis sessions in Massachusetts and created this art from their descriptions under hypnosis. Baker's drawings show creatures with big eyes that almost wrap around their oversized bulbous heads. The creatures are short, grayish-green, and have squat, thin bodies. This look has inspired the most popular depictions of aliens for the past 60 years. Ross says at the time of the Hill abduction, sci-fi movies and TV shows never agreed on what aliens looked like. Aliens were like robots and starfish and just, you know, all across the board. After the 60s, you start getting into things like Close Encounters, E.T., X-Files, 
and you get the small, big-headed, gray creatures. So virtually all of the representations, some people call it alien iconography, really reference the descriptions that Betty and Barney Hill had under hypnosis. They're sometimes called the greys. Here's a scene from the 1977 film Close Encounters of the Third Kind when the mothership arrives. Play the five tones. The aliens that get off the ship in that film were greys. The title refers to the type of alien encounter the Hills claim to have had, one where humans make direct contact with aliens. A lot of the details are similar to the Hills story, says University of New Hampshire librarian Elizabeth Slomba. You know, isolated rural area, lights, you get sucked up. You may not remember until later what happened, the probing, the medical examination, and then the return home. And those are other elements that you see in other traditional UFO stories. Today, you might see a slightly more cartoonish version of the Greys, like if you visit some of the tourist spots near Franconia Notch, where the hills say they were abducted. The Indian Head Resort is big for outdoor enthusiasts, but its gift shop isn't just hiking gear. I'm looking at a wall of merchandise featuring aliens. It's a very recognizable design. The big head, black eyes. There's squeeze toys, like for a dog. Keychains, refrigerator magnets. Peter Spanos runs the Indian Head Resort. I don't really know. I don't know what happened. But a lot of people are absolutely convinced that something extraterrestrial did happen here. The resort plays its own part in the history of the abduction. The Hills drove by the place just beforehand. The last thing Betty and Bonnie Hill remember seeing, the last living person, was standing in the doorway of cabin 20. They suspected at first they were actually abducted right down right here south of our pool. Then they thought maybe it was further down where the gas station is. The gas station is called Notch Express, and it's full of alien paraphernalia. Shoved in between the coolers full of beer and shelves of snacks, there are handmade posters with newspaper clippings and grainy photos of aliens and descriptions of otherworldly theories. Owner Falguni Patel inherited all this from the previous owner, but she left it up. She's a believer. Yes. So they asked the same thing, like what is happening, when they happen, what is this about? And uh, they read about all these incidents similar to the uh, Betty Barney Hill. So that is also tell them that it is a really something beside us in this world. <laughs> One journalist estimates the Greys account for about three quarters of all alien abduction reports. And they've been seen on TV for decades in everything from South Park to American Dad to, of course, The X-Files. Sometimes in shows like The X-Files, the greys are called reticulans. So, Mulder, what do you think? Does this look like the work of Little Green Man? Gray. Excuse me? A reticulan skin tone is actually gray. They're notorious for their extraction of terrestrial human livers. You can't be serious. Do you have any idea what liver and onions go for in reticulum? And this is where the name comes from, a drawing by Betty Hill, based on her experience on the alien ship. Librarian Emeritus Bill Ross pulls a star chart from a folder at the University of New Hampshire Library. This was description drawn by Betty in 64. Betty claims that the leader showed her a star chart. Mm -hmm. And so she drew stars from memory. Yes. 
while she was under hypnosis. UFO researchers compared the star chart to a real map of the stars, and it seemed to point to a star called Zeta Reticuli. The chart became a focal point in the controversy over what really happened to the hills. Basically, a lot of people used it to validate their story and, you know, that it showed Zeta Reticuli, you know, everything pointed to it. Carl Sagan refuted it. Yes, Carl Sagan, the famous astronomer. Virtually all scientists who've studied it are skeptical. But UFO enthusiasts think the Hill case is a classic example of a close encounter of the third kind. Sagan opened one episode of his miniseries Cosmos with a dramatization of Barney and Betty Hill's story. He argued Betty's star map could have shown just about any arrangement of stars. If you can pick and choose from a large number of stars, viewed from any vantage point in space you want, you can always find something resembling the pattern you're looking for. Sagan refuted the Hill story with one of his most famous quotes. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. The back and forth continues today. Librarian Elizabeth Slamba says she sees both sides at the University of New Hampshire Library. My favorite day was the day I was on the desk and we had the New Hampshire UFO Society on one side of the room and the New Hampshire skeptics on the other side of the room. And they were really polite to each other. You know, you had the people with the UFO stickers on their computer on one side of the room and you had the people with the, you know, stop sign over the UFO on the other side of the room. The Hills experience had another legacy, one that's a little more down to earth. And it has to do with their lesser known role as an interracial couple involved in the American civil rights movement. That's when we come back. This is Off the Path. With a podcast out there on whatever you're into, the news of the day may not always be your first choice. I get it. But with the WSHU podcast, after all things, you'll be up to speed on the latest from the Connecticut, New York region in less than 15 minutes. So you can stay informed and get back to listening to what you love. Listen to After All Things with me, Sabrina Garone, weekday evenings wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Donovan, and this is Off the Path from WSHU Public Radio. Barney and Betty Hill didn't want to be known for UFOs at first. They didn't want to rock the boat. Betty and Barney Hill were in many ways uh, conventional Americans. Matthew Bowman is the author of a new book, The Abduction of Betty and Barney Hill. They grew up in a, an America that largely trusted the government. It's an era of optimism in American life and confidence that those things that we're not optimistic about can be fixed. This is what Betty Hill believed. She was raised in a family of activists. Barney, who was black, was an activist too. He was a major figure in New Hampshire's NAACP and a member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. He attended the 1963 March on Washington and Lyndon Johnson's inauguration. He's part of a generation of African-Americans who believe in political reform, who believe that passing laws, establishing new government agencies, these things can combat and take on and eventually eradicate discrimination in America. So they are becoming fairly prominent leaders um, in this organization. And Barney is really worried about what this story might do to their credibility, um, which is why both he and Betty are very alarmed when the story becomes public. They didn't tell their story to the press. A reporter leaked it later without their consent. 
The first call the Hills made after the experience was to the U.S. military. Betty and Barney believe they're just being good citizens by calling up their local Air Force base, um, speaking to someone there, telling this person about their encounter. Um, now, Barney initially is a bit more wary of calling the military than Betty is. Betty is gung-ho about it, and Betty believes that they will be very interested, and she's disappointed when they're not. So Bowman says they turned to someone who would be interested. They found UFO researchers like Donald Kehoe, author of a book called The Flying Saucers Are Real. Kehoe was a former Marine who founded a group called the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. Betty and Barney Hill find in these groups people who will tell them, we think you saw something real. We think your memories are real. We think your memories are genuine. And so Betty and Barney begin then to kind of rebuild their world, um, to think differently about what authority is, what authorities should be trusted, and what authorities should not be trusted. Bowman says the Hills came in contact with the New Age movement of the late 60s and 70s, and this straight-laced couple met some people with unusual ideas. Ideas about conspiracy theory, ideas about what is now often referred to in American culture as ancient aliens, the notion that ancient human civilizations were in contact with extraterrestrials who had given ancient civilizations all sorts of technology that has since been lost. And I think critically, this idea that the government knew things about UFOs and was covering it up. And it fits right in with Betty's notion that these authorities that she had once trusted were no longer taking her seriously. The Hills are increasingly enmeshed in a kind of conspiratorial world, in a New Age world, a world in which all of these different things, from psychic powers to reincarnation to channeling to UFOs, were all connected somehow. And that those traditional authorities that the Hills had once trusted were trying to cover those connections up and did not want regular American citizens to know about them. Barney Hill died suddenly in 1969. Bowman says Betty was devastated. It propelled her further down paths that she and Barney were already beginning to travel, deeper and deeper into the New Age. She does begin seeing UFOs more and more and more frequently, um, she writes that one night soon after his death, she's driving home on a kind of lonely New Hampshire road and UFOs come over her car and she stops the car and she leaps out and, and she asks them, she says to the UFOs, are you looking for Barney? Barney is dead. He's not here anymore. He's in the cemetery. Um, and these are far from the last UFOs she sees. Betty spoke at conferences and wrote more about her experiences. She became almost a celebrity in the UFO community that had grown huge by the time of her death in 2004. Kathleen Marden, Betty Hill's niece, sees herself as a defender of her aunt and uncle's legacy. She says Betty wasn't a New Ager or conspiracy theorist at all. The disinformants have told us that Betty was a UFO kook, a science fiction fan, that she had been interested in UFOs all of her life. And that is absolutely false. Betty was a brilliant woman. She was a social worker for the state of New Hampshire. They said that Barney was a very fearful man. That's false. You don't marry a, a white woman when you're a black man in 1960. If you're a fearful man, you don't become a leader in New Hampshire's civil rights movement. 
if you are a fearful man. Barney was highly intelligent and assertive, and he told the truth. Kathleen is the executor of her aunt and uncle's estate. She's also an advocate for people she calls experiencers, and there were hundreds of cases a year. People are traumatized when they have these experiences, and then when their identity is made public, not only UFO investigators, but also these bullies actually come forward and heckle these people, create so much trauma for these individuals that they're doubly traumatized. And it's a horrible thing to have happen. At recent congressional hearings in Washington, officials have testified that the government knows a lot more about UFOs than it's letting on. Kathleen Martin says she hopes to see the day when the claims of the experiencers are validated. Until then, we'll keep watching the skies. This is Off the Path from WSHU Public Radio. I'm Davis Donovan. That's the end of my summer journey through Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine. Keep an ear out for more Off the Path. I'll be out there finding new and unusual stories.